0: Alright, so let's do a quick review. um, Alright, so we started last time with uh, this chart. And we were basically just taking the results of the survey and breaking it down. And so we broke it down into um, three groups groups were the attributes, which are things that we uh, develop within ourselves. We saw things like mercy, patience, kindness. Kind of noted from that chart that most of that's good news. We're doing pretty well. Didn't need a whole lot of, of uh, improvement. This one category here, patience, showed a little bit of need there. And but for the most be part, better. I think, I think all of us do. For the most part, it was pretty good, and we look at tasks. These are things we do, like uh, serving others, assisting others, encouraging others. And we saw here that, for the most part, these were all uh, very high in we do well and low in needing improvement, with the exception of prayer, and that was a, the subject of last year's class and activity, so we, we've already um, addressed that one. And actually, that was even before we got the results of the survey, so that was a good choice. Um, And then the last one we called Processes, and it's a little bit different than the rest. So these are, uh, this chart was quite a bit different in that it showed lower levels of uh, doing well and higher levels of needing improvement. These were all things like study, knowledge, discernment choosing um, application, self control faith perseverance and wisdom so this is kind of a different uh, result than all the rest so from that we kind of noted that um, this is probably an area we're not spending a lot of time with and probably not thinking about very much or we probably would have already improved in many of these areas so and this, this is kind of the, the backdrop for what we're going to be talking about in this class um, so the, um, some of these things, what, the reason I call them processes is because they're more about things, they're more like tools that we use to be able to get, like uh, to, to learn attributes, to, to do our tasks, to learn how to do our tasks. These are the things, the tools that we need for that. And so these are processes in uh, in coming up and learning those things. So. And then we we got into the point of uh, practical living and what that meant and so um we talked about fishing anybody remember what fishing was about this was about um either giving someone a fish or teaching them how to fish in other words these processes tend to be um things that we do that will help us to get to do more whereas A study of a particular topic will only help us learn that topic. These things that we're going to look at hopefully will help us to learn how to learn those topics, how to go about um, getting better. And so um, we noted that uh, in the the realm of learning that um, the Bible is full of commands, examples, necessary inference, not only command oriented things but there were also principles. And principles are the kind of things where we um, we're not told exactly what to do. We're given an idea, a broad idea of how to evaluate something. That's very different than a command. And so the way we approach some of these things are are going to be different. We use the example of driving a car. We said if I, you never had driven a car before, never even been in a car, and we. We're going to teach you how to drive a car you wouldn't have any knowledge at all ahead of time you would not have any experience ahead of time we go in and teach you in a class and then we let you get in the car and let you go that isn't going to work very well that's and but that's sometimes the way we tend to be as uh, teaching christians is we, we baptize them and then we give them the bible and we say go and uh, we need to be a little more uh, purposeful than that. And so we said, well, maybe what you do is you start with one uh, one thing, like let's focus on the accelerator and forget about the brakes and the steering. We'll just go focus on the accelerator. And then once you get that down, then we'll go focus on the brakes. And then once you get that down, we'll focus on the steering. And after you get through all that, you'll be able to drive if you're still alive. So um, that's a way that we could kind of approach Christianity as well we could start out with a whole list of tasks and we could say start with the first one and once you're good with that then move to the second one and move to the third one and when you're done with all this we've got 10 more pages of these for you to start looking <laughs> at and uh, about that time you well actually even with the first chart alone you start feeling overwhelmed and so that's not really a good way to approach these things either but the bible has both it has and, and as you look at some of these uh, don't sin. Well, that's pretty broad. That's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of discussing to figure out what that means. Whereas, don't lie. That's a little more succinct. We know how to how to do that. So, um, when we look at these things, we see that there's the theory of these things, and then there's the practicality of it. There's the actual the actual doing. It. They're both important. One is knowledge oriented, the other one is a little more experience oriented. One is about learning facts, the other is about implementing facts. That's what we're talking about with processes. One uh, is the facts of what to do, and the other one is how to put it into action. One is about what we do, and the other one is how we do it. So these are kind of the way, different ways we look at this. So this isn't the only way we learn. This is just a way we learn, is by studying, looking at what particular topics, and then figuring out what those topics. Uh, ask of us and then uh, doing those. And then, uh, let's see, uh, so we said that processes were more like learning to fish instead of being given a fish because we're going to take these things that we learned and we're going to use them to learn more and to be more self-sufficient and more proficient. Um, (laughs) All right. So now we're going to move on from that point and uh, we're going to look at some an example of how this is how this works in the Bible. So, if you go to Titus chapter two, we're going to go to Titus two and verse eleven. <coughs> Listen to this and tell me what type of teaching you think this is. If these are succinct and just commands or are they no principles? All right, so it's Titus chapter 2 and 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing, so now it's going to teach us, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, (coughs) and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, (coughs) and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak, and exhort, and reprove with all authority, let no one disregard you. What do you think? <coughs> principle, or command? A lot more principle, right? I mean, what we learn from this is deny ungodliness. Well, we all know how to do that, right? No, that's not inherently in our nature. Deny worldly desires. Well, which ones are those? Uh, live sensibly. Kind of know what living sensibly is but there's a, a standard that comes into play that we may not be we may be missing live righteously live godly look for the blessed hope look for the appearing of the glory of our great god that one might be fairly easy speak these things exhort and reprove and let no one disregard you those are things we learn from this so those are very very high level from that we can't really take those and just launch out and go start doing something a lot of times like denominations that's about as deep as they get their whole view of life is live well be, be kind and these living well is up to themselves it is and that so when you don't have a standard then you get to define it for yourself and that's that's pretty easy and so when you leave it at that level everything is just way too wide open and so that doesn't work real well um, so this is really actually, even though they're, they're a high level and they're easy to understand and there's not many of them, whereas there's a lot of these, um, it's really hard to implement, really hard to get down in and figure out exactly what to do. So we need to, we need to have a standard, we need to know the difference in some, certain things, and there's a relative, relativity involved in this. <coughs> So we looked at this and said, uh, we looked in uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 11, but let's just go back up in that same chapter to the first verse. And when we look at that, it says, um, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Now here's some instructions. Older men, be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance a little more specific, and pretty much directed at a certain uh, demographic here. Older men. Uh, older women, be reverent in your behavior. That's a little more understandable. Not malicious gossip, that's understandable. are enslaved to much wine. Teaching what is good. Uh, encourage the young women. The young women are to love their husbands, love their children. Be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind. Subject to their own husbands. So that the word of God will not be dishonored. And we get to the young men, be sensible, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. bondslaves, be subject to your own masters, be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, showing all good faith, so that they will adorn the doctrine of our God, our Savior in every respect. So those are a lot more specific. And then he goes in and says, for the grace of God has appeared, deny ungodliness. So it may very well be that these things up in the first ten verses are, are um, the, the detailed instruction, instructions on how to implement denying ungodliness, world desires, living sensibly. Mm-hmm. So we're getting more instruction when we put the two together. And so that also has to happen as we're studying. But there's even more to learning uh, than just that. And some of these things are still like uh, like being uh, reverent, or be uh, temperate and dignified. Again, that's a little bit harder to figure out, unless we get right into uh, the, the very uh, deep details. So generally, we're going to have to take not only the two things that we just looked at and put them together, but we're going to take this and put it together with everything else before we're going to get it all figured out. So. That's kind of why we, talk, we talked in on Sunday that the Jews had taken a lot of the Old Testament commands and they had just written down everything to do. So they had 650 some commands. If you did those, you were a good Jew and that was all you were required. In some ways it'd be nice to do that because it would be a lot simpler. We'd just take the list, we just follow it. But the problem is, is that's, not, that's not enough. Because there are way too many situations we find ourselves in where we don't know what to do, unless we can fall back to more of the principles um, that give us the framework for knowing what to do. All right, so um, you might say, well, if you just give them the top-level commands and then you you just trust that people want to do the right thing, it'll all come out right. That's not a good standard either. Uh, I'd like to look at Second Timothy chapter three. And here Paul tells us what people are going to be like in this present age. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first 11 verses. Realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the truth, to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. They will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus Jambres' father was also. Now you follow my teaching conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord rested. So, <coughs> this paints a pretty bleak picture of what people will become like if you just leave them to their own uh, standards, leave them to figure it out for themselves. And so, that's not going to work very well either. And so, um, one of the things in verse five it says that they hold to a form of godliness, which means they want you to think they're good. And we see that in the world a lot. People want you to see them as good. In verse seven it says they're always learning and they're ne- never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So you may not even recognize how bad some of these people are because they look good and they seem like they're trying, um, but they're just not doing the right thing. So. From all of these things, we kind of learn that there's really no shortcuts. That we just need to get in and do what God tells us to do and you know, uh, work Dan, through it. Yes? I think the last part of verse 5, avoid such people, that yes. seems to me a command. It is. You encounter these people, get away from them. And why would we need to do that? Uh, to live Godly life. And they're a, they're going to be a bad influence. Yeah, they'll be and, a bad and influence. because you can't necessarily tell whether they're doing the right thing all the time, mm-hmm. they might get you to do some things you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. do. So people that appear to be good, and that's why when people out of the outside the church go awry, it's not nearly as dangerous as when people in the church go awry because they have influence with us mm-hmm. and they can take us down with them. So um, we need a moral standard. We need to take the time to put in the effort. We need to learn and we need to figure out how to implement these things if we're going to do it. Okay, so now let's look a little bit at some processes and some tools. So from this we get the, the the realization that being a Christian is more than just do's and don'ts. We can't just follow a list of do this, don't do that. Um, especially now where principles dominate uh, the, the Bible, and we have to be responsible not only for the commands but the principles. And we have to be able to use these things. So. Um, More than just teaching commands and principles, we also get some tools here. And so we're gonna be looking at that aspect of it. Um, That's kind of what what I mean when when I say practical living. Um, There are these processes underneath that are gonna help us. Things like good decision making and things like that. So, I told you on Sunday, there were were three major processes we're gonna look at, and this will be kind of the roadmap for the study. Um, There are all three training processes but they're not all about, uh, they're all three learning processes, but they're not all about uh, study. One of them is. So let's look at the first one. Well, this is even before that. So <clears throat> this is kind of an interesting chart and, I, and I, it was so interesting I wanted to include it here. But when we take God's Word and we put it into our spirit um, this chart basically says that this, that having God's Word in our spirit will do these three things. It will teach the mind, it will direct the will, it will align the emotions. But also there's another thing going on in this chart where teaching the mind helps us direct the will, which helps us align the emotions, which helps us teach the mind. And it's, it's almost a perpetual process. Once you get it started, it begins to self-perpetuate. And the more you put God's Word in here, the more it aligns everything. And this reminds me of um, of Romans chapter seven. And that's, uh, I wanted to look at that real quickly. Romans chapter seven and verse 21. <clears throat> You'll recognize this. This is Paul talking about how he's living. He says, I, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. So here's Paul, he wants to do the right thing, but there's evil present in him. I joyfully confer with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Sometimes we feel that way. We feel like we're just kinda out of control that things aren't really these things aren't all aligned everything is not working together Uh, our emotions might be out of whack and that's causing our mind to be out of whack and that causes our will to be out of whack and and a a good alignment of all these things is important if we're going to actually make uh, progress so in doing that we're going to look at um, some some, uh, cycles here So this is a a teaching cycle. I wanna go through this and and give you kind of an overview of it and then use an example to kind of teach you or show you how it works together. So awareness is kind of our first first, uh, starting point here. So awareness is we become aware of something. We're not sure whether it's good, bad, right, wrong. We just become aware of some piece of information. Then we go study that piece of information we determine whether it's true or not, we either keep it or we, or we discard it. If we keep it, then we gain some knowledge. Now if we stopped right there, that wouldn't be enough. It, would, it wouldn't give us uh, anything useful. We would just be smarter, but we wouldn't be more useful. So then we apply that knowledge, and then with applying it, then we become more useful, and that knowledge is actually doing something for us. And we don't usually look at this step, the conscience being trained, um, but that's really what we're doing. We're training our conscience, and that's in, we're going to spend probably three classes on the conscience and its role and and kind of what it does for us and why it's important. So, the conscience is trained, and then we have a feedback cycle here that says, you know, whatever you might have just learned, it may need to be corrected, it may need to be reproved, it may need to be refined, and... uh, so let's just look at a couple of these things a little bit more. So uh, I said awareness was information coming our way. Uh, with that awareness, then we are motivated to study about it. Um, we need to figure out whether there's anything we need to know about, and then we study what we can and determine whether it's truth or not. Now that doesn't necessarily mean we get it right. Sometimes we study something and we don't get it right, and that's where this feedback loop comes in. We need to get it right, and uh, but for at least the first pass we may not have it completely uh, right and we may need some adjustment. Once we uh, have gotten that information, then we need to decide if it's something that God wants us to know and then if it is, we'll accept it. If we determine it's not, we get rid of it. Um, With that, that's discernment. So discernment, and you were asked about this Sunday, knowledge is having information. Discernment is knowing how to take that and figure out whether it's right or wrong. Can I cut down the middle of it and lay it bare and see whether it's true or not? So can I discern truth from error? That's a skill we need. That's a process we need. That's, that's uh, an ability we need uh, if we're going to live in a way that will be uh, effective. <clears throat> so um, once we have that uh, knowledge, Then we've increased our capability, but unless we apply it, we haven't really done much. Um, So we might learn something like partaking of Lord's Supper every first day of the week, but then we may need to go study some more. Like if we learned, okay, you need to go evangelize, we're going to need to study some more to be able to go do that. So sometimes gaining some knowledge means that we've got to come back here. We're now aware of something that we've got to go study some more. And so uh, then we apply that. Um, you know, and I think something too uh, to the, the studying, if we really don't understand something, a scripture or something, mm-hmm. we need to have on our periphery someone we can go yes. to mm-hmm. uh, that we think does understand. Right. right. Uh, and not hesitate. Yes. Sometimes we hesitate we don't want to bother them or whatever. But yeah. We oh, should. And that's kind of the iron sharpening iron process, okay. right? We're oh. we're there to uh-huh. help each other and to kind exactly. of bring each other up along along the way. And so having kind of a study buddy uh-huh. that you can go to that, that is good at answering your questions is a very good thing to have. Um, so once we learn that and we train our conscience, then we commit that into our into our life and we use that to make certain decisions. I'll say the conscience is an alarm clock. It tries to alert you to certain things. I'm not going to go too deep into that because we're going to spend a lot of time on it. And then we get into that correction. If you look at first, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we're all familiar with the passage. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. When you break that down, it says, that scripture is good for teaching. Well, that's here. We're learning. We're, we're studying. We're getting gaining knowledge. It's also good for reproof and correction, um, which means to, to turn things around or to bring something to someone's attention so they can fix it. And then training in righteousness is really more about application. Um, it's not really about just learning something. It's about applying that and, make, and turning that into righteousness. And that will equip us uh, for every good work. So that's that's our, our learning cycle. Now let's take a look at an example of this. Um, oh, on the next page here. Uh, let's say that God, let's say that you learn that you need to give. Somebody comes up and says, You're required to give. You say, Okay, well now I'm aware of that. Now I need to go figure out what I need to do. Well, they actually tell you more than that. They tell you that. God wants you to give 10% of everything you earn and everything you have to the church. Maybe true, maybe not true. So you go study. You look at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament, and you find out that that's not exactly correct. What do you do with that? Well, you discard some of it because in the course of study, you learn some other things. Well, that made you aware of something else, so now you've got to go figure that out. So now you come back and you start over again now you're back into that cycle God wants you to give you've learned that so now you gotta go study that so you study and you learn that he wants you to give money to the church and that's about what you've learned so far Um, you haven't gotten into some of the other passages because they weren't obvious to you so um, that was knowledge now you know what you need to do you need to give so how do you apply that? well when the basket's coming around you, you prepare Ahead of time, and you give. So, let's say you make two hundred thousand a year, and you decide that you're going to give five dollars a week. <laughs> <Seems> <laughs> you're a not very good at math. <laughs> yeah, seems a little low, but you know that's that's where you got to. Um, but now, when you're giving that, when you don't give that five dollars a week, your conscience bothers you, and now you need to do that, and you've trained yourself to do something, and you put something in place to get you to do it. So that's a positive, but then talk, you talk to someone and they say, well, you know, that's probably not exactly right. They're coming in and they correct you, they reprove you, they, they give you some more information, they correct you. Now you have a new awareness. Maybe that's not exactly right. Now what do you do? Well, you're right back and start again, right? And this just goes around and around and around. And sometimes we spend our whole life in this cycle. And, and that's a good thing that we're learning. It's a good thing that we're applying and we're refining all the way through. So this is a this cycle helps us to grow. This helps us to... Really, to, I think you're right on in that we should always be stuck in this cycle. Yes. Because there, there never comes a point that we should stop studying. I I've always said, we can read a, a scripture, if we can't read a scripture for the million and one time and be enlightened by it. Yeah. And understand it even deeper then we're not doing our job as Christians, we're not growing. As you go through the cycle, cycle, you get more information, and when you read something the next time with all that additional information, it strikes you differently, and you get a little more insight. And when you come back around, you get more insight. And so it's a lifelong process. The unfortunate part of this process is it's voluntary. Yeah. That's maybe where we fail the most. Is Like you said, we should be in this, but we're not always. And this one's a this one's a voluntary situation, but it's a it should be a lifelong learning situation. We ought to be in there and digging and learning. So you know, this we're talking about knowledge here. It's interesting, you know, in James one five it says, if "You ask for wisdom, God will give it to you." Yep. But you don't read where God's going to give you knowledge. No. That's yeah. incumbent on us. And we're going to talk about James one five in a few minutes. Okay. But, but yeah, you're right on track with that. Is we, we, knowledge is something we have to work at, and if we work only a little bit at it, that's about what we're going to get out of it, just a little bit. So, uh, knowledge is something we need to work at, but knowledge is not the end of the picture, but sometimes it is for us. We learn, we learn, we learn, we learn, but we don't apply anything. We just, we're just smarter. and We can answer a lot of Bible questions, but we just can't do anything with it. And that's where we need to get some correction and proof we need to get in and do the application aspect of it. So that's kind of how this cycle here works and uh, what it's all about. There's another cycle that is involved in our life and this one's not voluntary. This one you don't get to pick and choose. So I have called this one the temptation cycle or the challenge cycle. This is, okay, now you've learned something and now uh, you've either been tempted with something or you're challenged with what you just learned. This is not a voluntary cycle. It comes along and you don't get to pick and choose. Um, the interesting part of this one is uh, that you... In fact, when when would this start? When you become a Christian? Probably then really hard and maybe even before that. Because Satan knows that if, if you get far enough into this and get good enough at this that he's going to have less of a toehold with you. So the best time to get you is when you're green and you're not really well grounded. So you're going to get hit with this right away and Satan's going to hit you in every way he can to throw you off track. And he knows where your weaknesses are so he's going to um, throw you off track. Now one of the things I didn't mention in the previous cycle was not only did we learn knowledge in that but we also became experienced at learning. We learned how to learn. We learned how to apply. We learned how to be corrected. We learned how to study. That's really a lot of what we were talking about in the class earlier this year. Um, learning how to study, learning how to, how to, um, to learn. So this one is similar and that we're going to learn from this cycle, and we're going to learn about the cycle as we do it. Um, So, when we look at this particular cycle, um, first thing is we'll either be tempted or we'll be challenged. And the first question is, is your conscience trained? Well, that comes from the previous chart. If you've trained your conscience in certain areas, uh, then you're better off than if you're not. So, I'll also go through an example in this one. So, if your conscience isn't trained, you haven't studied a particular item, you're pretty much left with your own reasoning. And that may, you may or may not be successful with that. And so you may be forced to make a decision that you're not ready to make but you have to because this temptation or challenge has happened and you can't avoid it and there's a chance that you're going to do the wrong thing and you'll fall. Well let's say that your conscience was trained in that area and you got to the next part which is God's teaching or man's reasoning. Well we're not not the kind of people that can just throw our own reasoning away. Even when we know what God wants us to do, we still know what our reasoning wants us to do or what man would do. So, even with that, we have to make a decision about whether we're going to stand or fall, or we're going to do what God wants or not, and that may be an opportunity to fall. That, that is also discernment where we need to figure that out. It's also a, a skill of decision making. If you're not good at making decisions, these kind of things are going to be hard and you're going to have trouble. And so, make, being good at making decisions is important. Can you stick with the decision? Once you've made the decision, I'm not gonna do that, can you stick with it? What is that? That's really the main topic of our class, which is self-control. Can I stay with what I've decided to do? Can I control myself to do that? And if I can do all those things, I will have overcome. That's the good news. The bad news is, is you're gonna get tempted or challenged again, and it may even be in the same area. And the next time around, it may not be so easy, and you may not not make it through at that that time so this kind of tests your willpower it tests your ability to be um, to be dedicated and strong so let's look at an example in this area let's say that someone comes up and tells you that God and, and this is this is not a great example but it hopefully will illustrate the point someone comes up and tells you that God would be would be more pleased with this if we would use a band in our worship um, after all, he deserves the best. And if he likes music, then that would be, he would really like that. Well, let's say you haven't studied that before. And so you listen to him and you listen to yourself, and some of the things that come across is, well, God likes music and God likes singing, and we, we know we need to praise him with music, and we would sing better if we had music accompanying and we'd be more on key. He does deserve our best. Well, that's all a man's reasoning, and, and without any more. Uh, than that, we may make a bad decision. Because man's reasoning sounds good, it sounds like we're using God-like attributes to make that decision, but they're not. And so, um, if we have studied that topic before, um, and we learn that singing is commanded, but we might say, well, but you know, those are some good points too. So, you know, we're making good points, and I know what, what the Bible says, but Maybe I didn't get that quite right. A good thing to do would be to go back to the previous one and study. Go through that cycle some more. But you might be in a position where you need to make a decision right there. And, and you, may, you may have to make a decision on God's teachings or, or man's reasoning. And if you're not good at making that decision, you're going to have trouble. Can I stick with a decision? Well, maybe they're pressuring you. And you just, eventually, you just give in. Well, that's not self-control. That's not perseverance. And so, um, if you give in to all that, you're gonna you're gonna fall. Um, so maybe the maybe you do get through all of that and you come out with the right decision, and then they come back around and say, "Okay, well, if not a band, let's do a piano." Maybe you say, "Okay, well, if it's not a band and it's just a piano, okay, that's fine." Well, that still still may get you in trouble. So. Going through this over and over and over and getting better at, at making these decisions and re- realizing or recognizing temptations and challenges, uh, realizing that you need to learn more, going and learning more, being able to make these decisions better and, and have better self-control, you're learning how to do this as much as you are learning what the particular issue is you're dealing with, so these are skills and tools, good decision making, good knowledge, good discernment, Uh, these are all things that we need, and so we're going to develop critical skills uh, in doing all of this. The last cycle, which I think we can cover in this much time, this takes these first two cycles and then it builds on them. So this is just a big feedback loop, so this I, I call the faith cycle. So as we're in training and we're, we're learning and we're learning, we're learning over and over and over, we're building faith. And as we come along, we learn something and we get tempted on that and we succeed and we come back around and we learn more, we're t- tempted and we go through that over and over and over. We're learning faith. And when we build that, we're, we're gaining experience. And as we go around getting experience, we're learning how to be perseverant, we can persevere. As we do this over and over and over, it starts to become a habit for us. And when we get past that point, we're learning wisdom. So wisdom, at least from my perspective, is, is the accumulation of life's uh, struggles and life's uh, cycles here as we go through and we're victorious in each of these little ones. We're building towards uh, ultimate wisdom. We're then at the point with wisdom where we can go help other people because these things have become uh, second nature for us. So compare this to our example of driving a car. So when you first drove a car, your hands, you know, 210, you're sitting, yeah, everything, don't don't turn the radio, look in the review mirrors. Well now when you drive, you just get in and go. So instead of doing 25 things at once and trying to do it all at the same time, when you're first driving, now it seems like we're just doing one thing, you are driving. That's the way life should get for us. It should get to the point where it's habitual in nature and it's so much easier for us that we don't have to make these decisions over and over. We just know the right thing to do and we're not phased we're not by these temptations and we're building faith all along the way. And the perfect result of all of that is wisdom. So I think somebody last Sunday said, well, if I pray for wisdom, I'm going to get temptations. Yeah, probably so. Because that's what's going to build it. And that's what James says. Suffering The perfect result of suffering is is endurance, perseverance. And we'll look at some other passages in the next class that shows kind of how that all ties together. Okay, thank you.